Hey, Graham. Hey, David. How you doing? Uh, it's pretty good. How are you? Uh, good. Are you in the mood for a joke? I am in the mood for a joke. Okay, that's great, because really, I really want to tell you one. Okay, so what do you call a Viking that loses both eyes? <laughs> Gosh. Uh, what? What do you call that? A Vuking. A Vuking. Because you took the vowels out of the... No, you took the eyes. You, you took, you took, took the, the eyes. Okay. Um, you do another one? You don't, like, you don't like that one? <clears throat> yeah, let's go again. Okay. How about... Uh, who is the Norse god of spring? <laughs> who? Fa. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> well, you, you like that one better? <laughs> the Norse god of spring gets a... Oh, well, he is the god of spring... Uh, I'm going to give it a six. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a very good joke. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks. I had to just drop in a bad one because I like to see your face when I tell a truly bad joke. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. So, um, uh, David, what yeah. is a cowboy's favorite ice cream? What? Yeehagendaz. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd bring a say, cowboy one. Say that again. Yeehagendaz. Yeehagendaz. Okay. I thought I'd bring right. a cowboy one. You were doing cowboy jokes a, uh, a couple seasons ago. So Yeah, yeah, right. Um, does that live up to the other cowboy jokes that I was doing? You know, part of it was, the, part, the other joke is in the delivery, so I'm going to give you some points for that. Let's do a five. A five. Is that Just a straight five. Okay, fine. Uh, 4.75. Okay, well, <laughs> that's more interesting. Let's go with that. Fine. Right. Well, you know what? Enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. Welcome back to Withy Window, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and groan-worthy jokes, featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show. It's an adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. And I'm Graham Pittman. <coughs> and I'm Graham Pittman. Still alive, huh? I had something in my throat there. Hanging in there. Should we do the whole episode like this? Please, no. We are back. It's the fourth episode of the sixth season. It's mm. episode 6.4. And our special guest this episode is Scott Chandler. He wrote a wonderful graphic novel uh, that came out this year that we are big fans of called Squire and Knight. We'll talk about that later, uh, as well as a lot of other stuff that he that he wrote. Tell you a little bit more about him in a little bit. In the meantime, we, of course, have a riddle at the end of this episode. Before our interview with Scott, story time. Graham, you did bring a story, right? I think so. Okay. We'll find out. Okay. We got crazy words. We have a Halloween-ish theme-themed snack time. I cannot wait for this. And uh, I think we're going to have a good episode. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be loaded. Loaded. Like a a big potato. Or like some big chocolate candy bar for Halloween. Or like a super soaker filled with... uh, uh, melted chocolate that you like can a squirt. bowl full of yeehagendaz with chocolate <laughs> syrup on it. <laughs> mm. Anyway, we have. Are you a chocolate syrup guy? Wait, no. You know what? No, don't answer that. Snack times later. Okay. Um, we have lots of great stuff going on in this episode. Before we dig into it, though, let's tell everyone about our sponsor this season because we're big fans of theirs. If you've been listening, you've heard about them the last few episodes. If you are looking for beautiful books that the whole family will love to read, look no further than our friends over at Waxwing Books, the brand new boutique publishing house from Read Aloud Revival. It's a podcast and online community dedicated to helping both adults and kids fall in love with reading aloud. And now they're also publishing beautiful books. They publish books for a wide range of ages containing illustrations you will want to look at a little longer than necessary. As I said last week, this is an experience that I have had in my house reading with my daughter who loves picture books and she will make me stay on the pages 
extra long time. And when all I want to know is what happens in the story, but you know, she just has to get all the details in those beautiful pictures. Um, the text is delicious to read aloud again, can confirm. And the stories pull in both adults and children again, can confirm. So Waxwing's first two releases are a little more beautiful. And while everyone is sleeping, they're both written by Sarah McKenzie uh, and they're both available for purchase at waxwingbooks.com or wherever you get books, including Amazon and, and other places like bookstores. We are very grateful to them for sponsoring this season, for making this season possible, this sixth season of Withy Windle. We could not do it without our sponsors. So please go to waxwingbooks.com and check out the great books that they're offering. And they've got many more books coming. So there's just a lot of exciting things from Waxwing books uh, on the horizon. Do you where want, you might see a waxwing flying through. <laughs> through, through do, you wanna, do you want another waxwing fact? A faxwing? I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I was really counting on it. Oh, you so, were counting on yeah. it? Well, don't yeah. say that. That means every episode I got. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, here's a fact about the cedar waxwing. The cedar waxwing? Its diet is almost exclusively fruit. Really? Yeah. No worms? It, this, 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 no bugs. This website says... It specializes in eating fruit. The cedar waxwing specializes <laughs> in eating fruit. Yeah, what what yeah. fruit do you suppose is a cedar waxwing's favorite? Well, I know this because... Well, I don't know because okay, oh, you're reading it. Yeah, but um, it, it has to eat some bugs to get protein. Okay. But it doesn't... It sounds like it doesn't really want to eat them. It wants to eat the fruit. And Got this, okay. I, I feel like if I was a bug... If I was a bird, not a bug. If I was a bird... I would feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in a way, as a human, I kind of feel that way. Not in the sense that I don't want to eat bugs because, you know, you do what you got to do. But in the sense that fruit is my favorite thing. In a way, I sort of specialize in eating fruit mm. um, and would often rather eat fruit than protein. I know that makes me unusual, but. Yeah, you like a good watermelon steak. Right, I just take that and just cut a big, thick watermelon ribeye, <laughs> some salt take on it. Take the bone out. And I, yeah, debone it. <laughs> debone. Put it on the grill. <laughs> yeah, so cedar, cedar wax wings eat blueberries, uh, juniper berries, huh. service berry. I like juniper. Service, service berry. berry? There's probably a reason we don't really know what a service berry is. Well, because the wax wings eat them all. Well, uh, yeah, it's probably not fit for human consumption. <laughs> yeah. And winter berry, which sounds okay. delightful. It does. It does sound delightful. Maybe we should do a wax wing diet snack time. <laughs> 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 we, uh, we'll have to have the EMTs on speed dial. Yeah, I know, right? We, my friend David will have to be ready to go. Well, again, thank you so much to Waxwing uh, and Sarah McKenzie and her whole team. We love what they're doing over there and are glad to and honored really, to be able to partner with them. So again, thanks everybody at Waxwing for making this season possible. All right, Graham, mm. we got to eat some stuff. Now, this week's snack time is not brought to you by a Waxwing diet. On the contrary. Yeah, thank goodness. It is brought to you by... It's all bugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Cardinals diet. <laughs> okay, so... Ali's pulling out the mayflies. Wow. Yeah, nice. right, yep. Okay. Here, this one, this, you have to eat them alive. I'd rather um, eat the mayfly than that pickle thing we had last week. So, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> The Crofts did text us um, with yeah. some LOLs. Yeah. So, okay. Halloween is coming up. It's coming up in the not too distant future in a couple of weeks. Yes. So this is a Halloween themed snack time now i was thinking what brand of candy aside from candy corn do you <laughs> most associate with halloween okay so there's a couple mm -hmm. laffy taffy 
Oh, no, I do love. Yeah, yeah, I do love Laffy Laffy. Taffy. But also, what's the one? Uh, uh, the fruit, the fruity the tootsie, tootsie, tootsie rolls. rolls. The, fruit, the fruit tootsie rolls. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then I used to see them all the time, and I'd always be disappointed when I got them. But remember those orange and black no name candies that were like taffy? Oh, you remember okay. this? Yeah. They're yeah, just I like do vaguely know generic what you're about, Halloween yeah. candy. I'm kind of yeah. glad those are phasing out. But other than that, it's like fun size Reese's and fun size Kit Kats. That's what I think. Of. Okay, so I was thinking, you know, Reese's peanut butter cups. There's the pumpkin ones. There's all kinds of different varieties of Reese's that show up this time of year. And what we've never really done is done a whole snack time dedicated to Reese's. Oh, so we are yeah. going to we're going to taste and rank. A whole variety of Reese's candy. This mm. episode is not brought to you by Reese's, despite its appearances. This is not paid advertising. This episode is still brought to you specifically by Waxwing, <laughs> Waxwing books. <laughs> um, okay, so Graham, I'm gonna. Okay, this one I gotta hide. I'm gonna go through this. Um, we're not gonna be. Able That's to eat, a lot of orange. We're you're not pulling. gonna be able to eat all of these. Um, yeah. So you think? <laughs> <laughs> Those are all. Different? Yeah. Okay. Whoa. So and I didn't even get Reese's Pieces because I considered those two more like M&M's and I didn't get Take 5 and I didn't get the Reese's Snack Cake. There's a couple of, so there's a couple of things I didn't get. What I did I don't get know the Reese's Snack Cake. I don't think. Okay. So what I have here is regular Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. The, the OG. The OG. Mm-hmm. Reese's White. So these are white cream and peanut butter. Okay. I've got Reese's Sticks. Yes. Which are milk, chocolate, peanut butter, and crispy wafers. Like a, like kind of like a nutty buddy. Right. This is the Reese's Fast Break, which is milk, chocolate, peanut butter, and nougat. That's like a candy bar. Yeah. So this has, it's almost like if you took, well, we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. Okay. I also have a Reese's Outrageous, which is chocolate candy, peanut butter, Reese's Pieces, and caramel. So that's also like a candy bar. I also have Reese's Peanut Butter Pumpkins. Yes, okay. I also oh, have my word. Reese's Potato chick Chip Big Cup. No, wait, what? It's a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup with potato chips in it. We're Why? Just gonna do Who this wants that? Well, it's sweet and salty. Well, maybe we do. Yeah. We'll see, okay. And lastly, I'm going to save this one last because I, don't, I bet you've never had this. It's a secret one. We're going to, okay. And it's Reese's brand? It's Reese's brand, yeah. Okay. We, we all know what a Reese's peanut butter cup tastes like, so I'm going to give mm. you one, and we'll just do this quickly. Just take a quick bite, and then, uh, but everybody will have had this, and then, you know, take a quick bite, and then we'll just start ranking. So I think when we rank these, maybe like the, the top two or three, we should just recommend that people go try them and tell us what they think, if we yeah. made the right Sounds decision. Great. Sounds great. All right. Okay. So I'm going to set these up here on my desk and then you can set yours over there on the chair and then you just rotate them down. So Reese's peanut butter cup. It's delicious. It's unassailable. It's one of the, it's one of the great marvels of modern technology. Yeah. Cause I don't know that it's, I think that's what it is. It's technology. I think you're right. All technology was leading to this right. disc, right? This ridged. We disc. thought maybe it had something to do with medicine, maybe no. the internet, uh-uh. something with travel. No, it is. The Reese's peanut yeah. butter cup. I mean, the internet's there primarily to buy these more of these online. Right. And then yeah. and transportation is to allow people to transport Reese's and for you to get to the place to buy them. Yeah. So the chocolate on this is like, it's not too hard, but it's right. hard enough. Right. It's not too soft and mushy. Yeah. And then you've got the soft peanut butter. And, and there's like the right balance and the ridges are... And the ridges, is, this, it's, the ridges might be one of the top 10 most genius things anybody has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> because... 
It's just like you could hold it. It's got some heft to it. Anyway. Yeah, we need to find out who originally uh, started the Reese's Corporation and maybe buy a statue to put in the in the or, bookstore. Or maybe, you know, I bet whoever worked started it wasn't the one who thought of the, the, the ridges. Oh, we'll okay. see. Well, so know. I'm going to give you the other cup here, which is the um, Reese's White. White. Reese's so again, White. This is white cream with peanut butter, cu- with peanut butter in the inside. Mm. So put this, you know, in line with the other one here and which one you like better. Now, you like white chocolate, right? This isn't exactly white chocolate, but I'm not bad. I've had this before, but I remember not liking it. And right now I like it, but I don't love it. Yeah. I don't feel like this was necessary. Yeah. It's okay. You miss the the real milk chocolate. Yeah, it's the the peanut butter and the milk chocolate combination. Because what is the white chocolate? It's kind of like a little bit vanilla-y, maybe? Dude, it says white cream, so... It just doesn't match <laughs> terribly well with the peanut butter. So to me, there's a, there's a fairly significant distance between those. Let's move on to our one with the potato chips in it. I so don't it's, understand this. It, you don't understand the concept of sweet and salty together. I get sweet and salty. I don't understand putting... Is it like a, a whole chip inside this cup or so chip pieces? I imagine they're broken up. I've never had this. Do you like the... I re- like sweet and salty things. I've never thought about so, eating a Reese's cup and then putting chips in my mouth. this is a big Reese's cup. It's not the normal size. And know. you don't like the ones that have Reese's pieces in them, do you? Uh, I think they're okay. Okay. Okay, here we go. Okay. They're not in there. It's subtle. The chips are subtle. I don't like this. Yeah. Actually, that's only... That's like... Mm. That's a little disappointing. For the Reese's No, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Not me. Strange. I thought, I thought the chips, I, like you can't see the chips, which I, I don't like. I'm giving that one to my kids. I'm not going to tell them about the chips inside. So would you put that behind the white one or ahead of the white one? I'm putting it behind. I just don't, I think that's strange. So I love the idea, but I think the execution is poor. So I'm putting it behind the white one too uh, uh. because of that. Okay. Let's do the pumpkins now. Okay. Now are you, a, do you like, have you had these before? Yeah. Yeah, I think they've made like, like at Easter, they have like Easter egg shaped ones. Um, oh, right. I yeah. feel like I've had a Christmas tree shaped one or like, you know, they're, they don't have the ridges. They're more yeah, that's rounded why, around. I got these because they're specifically like Halloween. The thing that's a little disappointing about them. Wait, this is supposed to be a pumpkin? <laughs> <laughs> Mine oh, just yeah. looks I like an egg. Like this. Oh, so I, it's still. Still, yeah. It's still good, but the original concept, this is just a way to, to, to remarket that thing that's already perfect. Yeah, I don't, that, um, it's too chewy. Yeah. I feel like it's different. So where do you put this in the ranking of these four? I might put it after the white one. I think I would too. And it's only, again, because like concept is fine. Execution is poor. All right. We, we've got identical rankings here. I wonder if we'll break it up okay. here in a minute. What do you want to do next? Sticks? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Reese's sticks. Now these, when you pull them out, they actually look like long, like bigger Kit Kats. So it's like a cross between a Kit Kat and a Nutty Buddy. Very crunchy. It got the little wafers on the inside. This is so good. It's it's uh, it's awesome. This is this is classy. This is like you could dip this in something. Coffee. This is easily number number two for me. But is it ahead of the original for you? No. Okay. It's number two for me, too. We got to have a different... We'll see. Let's see if we can mix Somewhere it up. along the way. Okay. That's let's, so good. Let's do the fast break now. Is that new? I don't remember seeing that. I don't remember seeing them when I was a kid, anyway. I, I mean, the one we just did. The, the, the sticks. sticks. 
Okay, now this one is the fast break. This is, man, it's got, it's got some density to it. This is a candy bar. It's like opening up a Snickers. It looks like it's got some nougat on the bottom, some peanut butter in there, some chocolate. It's like a, looks like a cross between a Reese's and a Baby Ruth or something. It's chewy, more chewy than, than a regular. It's, but that's because of the nougat. It's really good. This is high for me. Where do you have it? Um, after I'm mean, it's my third right now for me. I'm putting this one second. It's after the the sticks, but bef but distantly before the white one. That's like There's, super filling though. Yeah, like right. I that's that'd be hard to eat a whole one because they're huge. Yeah, we had one chewing. bite in them already. Like it's just like the, the work that it takes to chew it. Why do they call it fast break then? It should be slow to slow down. Maybe the idea is just you can eat, almost eat this as a meal. <laughs> it's a meal okay. replacement bar. Two more. That is really good. Okay, this is the Reese's, the Reese's Outrageous. <laughs> now, you can get a Nutrageous, which is peanuts, instead of Reese's Pieces. Okay. It's got chocolate candy on the outside, Reese's Pieces on the inside, with peanut butter and caramel. So this one's going to be harder to tear off. And you can see, you know, it looks like it's got muscles. Uh, <laughs> yep, okay, so this is packed with Reese's Pieces and peanut butter and caramel. That's awesome. I love it. Where do you stand? I really like this. The caramel, the caramel, I think, pushes it over the top. Is it too much, though? No. Is it too much? I'm almost considering making it number one, but the Reese's Pieces is perfect. You mean the Reese's? The Reese's, Reese's. The, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, sorry. So you I got it at two? I've got it at two, so I've got it above the sticks, which I like. But I think that Reese's, I think that not outrageous is outrageous. I like this fast break. It's doing something for me. Uh, you, you like the effort you have to put into eating it. Right now, I'm going to put this one third. Okay. I just, okay. there's something about that fast, fast break. All right, we got one left. Ready? Graham, these are Reese's dipped Pickles. animal crackers. Oh, Bite-sized animal crackers covered in peanut butter, candy, and dipped in milk chocolate. Uh, wow. So I had never seen these before. Where did you but I find those? At the, the gas station. Really? But I thought, here's two. When I saw them, I thought we had to do it. They were just by the other Reese's stuff. Okay, so this has like a chocolate bottom, and, a, and then the rest of it is coated in peanut butter, and mine shaped like a bear. Yeah, Where mine, it was before it got coated and all this yeah, mine stuff. Mine looks like it was... Uh, Polar bear. All right. Crunchy. The chocolate's very subtle. What do you think? Hmm. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. That, might, that seems almost like a swing and a miss for me, too. Do you like this? I put it straight down the middle. It's right in the middle for me. Um, I barely taste any chocolate <laughs> with that. That's what I'm struggling with. There's... To me, the top four are the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, the Outrageous, the Sticks, the Fast Break, and then there's a gap before you get to the Animal Crackers, the Reese's White, the Pumpkins, and the one with the Potato yeah. Chips. We have the same top four in, in a slightly, a different, slightly order. different order. Yeah. So those are the ones we'd say, go find those. Yeah. Reese's right. Cup, obviously, everybody said that. Let me see if I can remember all I these. I was really curious, though, if we were going to discover something that's better than the OG. 
Uh, well, I'm those really those next two are like they're creeping up there. But they're you know there's a the outrageous and the fast break are really good and the sticks. But they're like end. a candy bar. You know, there's just something about the Reese's peanut butter cup in the yeah. brown paper with the ridges, and it's not as filling. I have to say too, it it knows there's a, there's like I there's a um, there's a measure of portion control that comes with with the peanut butter cup. The peanut butter cup, you get yeah. two. Right. You, you're left wanting more, and that's not a bad thing. I feel like with these other ones, they're so big, they are so delicious, you'd keep eating them until you get a stomachache. I would. Well, the thing about... I'm also trying to imagine myself watching a movie while eating a fast breaker and outrageous. Oh, that sounds nice. It, it does, but if you're in the theater, it's just like... It's, it's a lot of chewing, and yeah. it's going on for a while, whereas that Reese's Peanut Butter Cup... Do you... I didn't get the bite-sized ones. Do you like the little snack-sized Reese's Peanut Butter Cups individually wrapped? Oh, they're, they're a little bit taller? Well, no, no, no. The ones that are like the, the size of... You know, they're wrapped in colors. Different color... You know, different colors and... I like those. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have those And then those Reese's the Pieces, for me, would be like right in the mix in the middle, too. Yeah. As far as like Reese's stuff... Um, I didn't get those just because of that. The next thing we would need to do is put every single one of these in the freezer and mm. then try them again. That's a great point. Future- I feel like this outrageous one would break your teeth. Yeah, though, it, I feel it like it might. It was hard enough to break in half. <laughs> but like, I think the ghost or the pumpkin one, pumpkin shaped one would actually benefit from being cold. Yeah, I agree with that. Because this is one I'm soft. really disappointed in because I love the concept of something sweet and salty together. Maybe if you keep eating it, you'll... You'll like it more. I don't know. I think that you're just think, describing Stockholm syndrome. Well, <laughs> you can't. I just wish you. There needs to be more chip presence in there. I thought there was like going to be a whole chip just in the center. Yeah, that's yeah. I would have been. That sounds like scientifically hard. But we figured out the original Reese's peanut butter cup. So so anything is possible. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well. This segment has not been brought to you by Reese's. It has actually been brought to you by Waxwing Books. Uh, so thank you to Waxwing Books for sponsoring, as I said. Thank you to Reese's for making delicious food. This segment should be brought to you by Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to take a quick break and recover. And when we come back, we're going to do crazy words. Graham, how you doing? I'm I'm feeling better. I, feeling I had. Better. Um, Can I get you some water? No, I went. I already went to the kitchen. I um I just melted down a whole bunch of peanut butter and poured, put it in a mug and drank it. I feel a lot better. <laughs> I'll take that water. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, it's a it's a I'm left sp- speechless by that strategy for getting over eating chocolate and peanut butter. But you know, to each their own. We are back with. Graham, would you like to say crazy words this week? Would you like the the joy of being able to say crazy words in a crazy fashion? Crazy words. I think you forgot which segment we're doing. Crazy words. That's the one. Okay, so this week's crazy word. Um, Graham, I was going to put some power in your hands. Oh, okay. Would you like to do... No, let's do it. Would you like to do number 22 or number 24? Okay. Um, let's, let's, I like the symmetry. Let's go two, two. Okay. Number 22 is a word from the English language. Okay. (laughs) Um, as one website says, this is a word you never knew you needed until you found out that it exists. That word is. Whiffler. (laughs) 
Whiff. W-H-I-F-F-L-E-R. Graham, let's see if you can get to the bottom oh of Lord. Whiffler. This is, okay, so this is the fourth episode. I think this is the first word. I've, I'm not sure if I've heard this one. Whiff. Whiffler. This is, this, is a, this is a lot going on in this one, actually. Well, so There's whiff... different meanings. Whiff feels like you're taking a swing at something, but you're not connecting. You're just, like, hitting the air. Uh, okay. Does it have anything to do with that? You know, it kind of does. Hmm. It kind of does. Hmm. But perhaps not in the way you're expecting. It's like trying to hit spaghetti with a badminton racket. You just can't do it. You just hit, end up hitting the air. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to imagine that now. Is that what a whiffler is? A no. person who tries to hit uh, pasta out of the air with a badminton racket? No. Um, where do you think it comes from? The f- what language? Uh, whiffler. Whiff. Uh, is it English? It is. Okay. It's, okay. So here, I'm going to give you a hint. See if it helps. It goes back to the old English word whiffle. W-I-F-E-L. So whiffle, I'm assuming wifle, whiffle, something like that. Hmm. Which means battle axe oh so a whiffler is somebody who uses that instrument a battle axe correct battle uh not not exactly oh 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 they use it to chop wood they use it not to chop legs nope nope it's pasta it is a word used now there's there is another on more newer meanings as well but originally it is a word that was used to mean someone who clears people out of the way of a procession. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the old English word, whiffle, meaning battle axe. So the, the person that, is the battle axe. They might not have a battle axe, but they're acting like the But if you're instrument. trying to clear away from a, from a procession, yeah, yeah. say, for a marriage or a king or whatever, using a battle axe might help you be a battle axe. Yeah. What if the whiffler had a whiffle ball bat? That's another, I mean, it's another option, I it suppose. Would be, it wouldn't be scary, but it would be confusing. <laughs> and that sometimes scares people. So there is also more meanings. Um, this one come, came along a little later in the 1600s, according to dictionary.com, uh, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, rather. And this second meaning, you'll sometimes hear as waffler, mm. um, you know, somebody who waffles. But in this case, it's just Whiffler, a person who frequently changes opinions or course, or a person who uses shifts and evasions in arguments. Okay. So I suppose that, you know, you can see how there's a connection there to, to the idea of clearing the way for a procession. Yeah. How it went from that original word. Um, if you were to, to use a battle axe for anything in particular, what would you most on, want to use? I was it? just thinking on the waffle, you know? If if you if you really want to get a clean cut, you bring your waffles out to a stump first oh, yeah. thing in the morning. You set it down there. Yeah. Set it down. Chunk chunk. All of a sudden, you got four equal waffle slices, triangles. And, and then you can just dump that syrup right on top of your whatever you were cutting the wood on. Yeah. yeah. And then put the pasta on from when you're playing spaghetti whiffle with yourself. Spaghetti. Yeah. That's um. I have, I'm, I'm confused about where we, where that went, but anyway, Whiffler, (laughs) Whiffler is an old English word referring to a person who clears people out of the way for a procession. Given all the writers who are listening to this show and the writers who've been on this show, I really want this to show up in a book somewhere. Like someone who's wielding a battle axe called the Whiffler or named Whiffler or with the surname Whiffler or 
He just goes by Whiffler and that's it. Walter Whiffler. Whiffler White. <laughs> or we could. So this is interesting because you said it comes from Whiffle, right? Uh, w I F E L. And yep. we have and that we word, added. right? Whiffle ball. Whiffle. So that's interesting. So now, and that ball has like circ- uh, holes in it to let air pass through. Now, yeah, where did the name Whiffle ball come from, I wonder? I've never questioned it. So according to Wiktionary, it is not derived from Whiffle, though both derived from the same onomatopoeic sources, namely a sound of wind. So you're not, you know, you're a little bit onto something there, but we don't know. But Whiffle doesn't come from Whiffle. I mean, that would be preposterous, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know. This was a fun one. I like this. I'm happy I didn't know this one. Whiffler. Graham, how's your stomach feeling? Uh, so-so. You need to go drink some more peanut butter, or are you ready to do the story now? No, I'll drink some soda. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to take a quick bathroom break. We'll be back, and Graham is going to read a story for us. Okay, we are back. Graham, how would you like to eat more? Of a Reese's product? No, thank you. Not for at least a fortnight. Not for story time? Not until Halloween. <laughs> okay, okay. When I right. sneak into my and ironically, children's bags and take the dad the tax. The dad tax. Yeah, and ironically, Halloween is exactly a fortnight from when we are recording this. Oh, is it? This, this segment, yeah. <laughs> then perfect. All right, uh, Graham. Yes. It's story time. It's your week to share a story. Please go ahead and do so. Uh, No. Okay, shall I tell you more Viking jokes? No, I I can't share the story because did you know we actually have another sponsor? What uh, for this episode? We, is it is it the whiff, the professional wiffle ball association? No, but I I have been in contact with them. Is it the Academy of Hot Peanut Butter Drinkers? <laughs> I like that you got all upset about about eating graham crackers warm when you just described drinking, melting down a bunch of peanut butter and drinking Yeah, but that's, that. a, that's a joke. <laughs> actually, yeah, anyway. Yeah, just gross. It's supposed to be gross. All right, this, this sponsor. Are oh, you yeah, ready? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yes, I'm so excited. All right. The air is crisp. The mm. leaves are turning. Reese's season. Pumpkin spice is permeating the air. Oh, right. That can only mean one thing. Fall has arrived. And you know what that means. Wet Jim's Water Park is open for business. (laughs) Located behind an abandoned steel mill in Rockford, Illinois, and only open during the chilly fall months on days with complete cloud cover, Wet Jim's Water Park has thrills, spills, and splashes for the whole family. Only in Illinois. (laughs) What makes Wet Jim's Water Park different from the others? Well, hold on. <laughs> I can think of a few things. <laughs> yeah, besides go ahead, that. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, what makes Wet Jim's Water Park different from the others? Well, consider these amazing attractions you can find at this carnival of sogginess. <laughs> How about the Typhoon of Terror? Oh, yeah. This water slide is 147 feet tall, though very slow moving. And the entire way down, we pipe in a voice telling you you're going to be audited. Ooh. You're going to be audited. You're going to be audited. (laughs) Or why not try the swamp bucket? Watch as the giant bucket above you gets loaded with genuine swamp water. 
Wet Jim then comes out and asks you a series of riddles. Get one wrong and uh-oh, you're now drenched in quagmire juice. Plus you're getting audited. <laughs> that's not your speed? Well, we have bumper boats. Oh, that sounds normal. Yeah, this one is actually where a kid named Bumper continually swims around your boat and asks to get in, but don't let him. We don't know who he is or why he's named Bumper. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is the soggy hay ride. No one wants to sit on dusty, prickly hay at wet gyms. We are continually misting our hay ride to achieve maximum dampness. Continually misting. And you'll love it when it goes through the tunnel of humidity. Wowza! Or. Where is Illinois getting humidity in the winter October? Or try the log flume hut where you can enlist yourself with the state of Illinois logging company for a bottom <laughs> rung job. Wow. <laughs> Done with your thrill seeking and ready to get a the, bite to the eat. Copy, which is just telling me how to feel about it is the best part. <laughs> uh, Done with your thrill seeking and ready to get a bite to eat. Just head to the concessions where you'll find these amazing options. Flat soda, hot milk, <laughs> checks out. soup on a stick. That's where they just freeze soup and... Yeah, just, anyway. Just attach it to a... Soggy dogs. And, of course, Dippin' Dots. <laughs> <laughs> are the Dippin' Dots $11 for two ounces? Yeah, of course they are. Want to dry off after an entire day of wetness with no sunshine? Well, that's going to be a problem. All of the towels at Wet Jim's Water Park have been sourced from the pool deck of other water parks where other children have already used and abandoned them, so they are thoroughly damp. Well, it's part of the experience. Not convinced? Just listen to these happy customers. Can't wait. I've never been this wet. I don't know what to do. Uh, that's from uh, Tamitha. When I tried to ask where the exit was, the employee sprayed me with water. If I could give it five stars, I would. I absolutely would always go back. This was the best time of my life. I can see why they're advertising. Shandley. That's from Shandley. And what about this testimonial? Let me in that boat. I need to get in that boat. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's from Bumper. No kidding. Uh, so Why is he called Bumper again? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Uh, so come on down to Wet Jim's Water Park, where we promise you you'll leave soaked in memories. No refunds. Incredible. Incredible. I just want to say thanks to them. Yeah. We're big fans of um, it sounds some very, things in the state of it Illinois. It sounds very like, bespoke and yeah. well thought out. Yeah, um, it does. Uh, attraction. It does. Yeah. I, I think I've seen several abandoned steam, steel mills in Rockford, Illinois. Yeah. So I wish it would tell us which one it was behind, but I wonder how we'll far. Find out. Uh, the real question is how far is it from the airport or the bus station in Rockford? Because <laughs> it's probably very close to the bus station. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had experiences. You know, we both have had. Have you? Did you ever fly to Rockford? I've been to Rockford a lot. Yeah. A any Rockford Same. listeners, you tell us if you've been to Wet Jim's Water Park and right. how it was. It and sounds, also, like it sounds like if yeah. your name is Tamitha, you maybe call in. <laughs> yeah, it sounds delightful. Yeah, it sounds. Wet. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a park much, but you know. Um, oh, so right. I'm supposed to do a story. You're supposed to do a story, but I think you may just have. <laughs> uh, yeah. What, what, what do you have? Uh, story time wise, there. Story Graham? time wise. 
last week you brought us a tale involving a fox. Uh, the week before that, I brought us a tale involving a wolf. So this week, I'm bringing a tale involving a wolf and a fox. I thought you were going to say a, a Volkswagen. <laughs> this uh, is a Finnish folktale. And it is called Miko. Like it's finished? No, Finnish. Like oh, from like Finland. from the country of Finland. It's okay. not finished. I haven't even started. Oh, sorry. Uh, this is called Miko the Fox, the partners. The bear and the wolf and the fox made houses quite close together. And the wolf and the fox decided to go this into... This story didn't start with Once Upon a Time. I'm shocked. <laughs> just went straight into it. The bear and the wolf and the fox made houses quite close together, and the wolf and the fox decided to go into partnership. Okay. The first thing we ought to do, said Pekka the wolf... have a podcast. ...is make a clearing in the forest and plant okay. some crops. Okay. The fox agreed, and the very next day they started out to work. Each had a crock with three pats of butter for his dinner. Just butter. Butter for dinner. They left their crocs in the cool water of a little spring in the forest, not far from the place they had decided to make the clearing. It was hard work felling trees, and the fox, soon tiring of it, made some sort of excuse to run off. When he came back, he said to the wolf, Pekka, the folks at the farm are having a christening and have sent me an invitation to attend. Well, it's too bad we're too busy today, the fox said. Another day you may have gone. But I must go, the fox insisted. They've been good neighbors to us, and they'd be insulted if I refused. Very well, the fox said. If you feel that way about it, you better go. But hurry back, we have a lot to do. So the fox trotted off, but he got no farther than the spring, where the butter crocks were cooling. He took the wolf's crock and licked off the top layer of butter. Then after a while, he went back to the My clearing. My cat does this. We had to cover our butter. <laughs> well, Miko, the wolf said, is the christening over? Yes, it's over. What did they name the child? Uh, they named it Top. Top? That's a Not strange... Not Bumper, just to clarify. That's a strange name. In a few moments, the fox ran off and returned with the announcement that there was to be another christening at the farm, and again they wanted him to attend. Another christening? The wolf exclaimed. How can that be? Well, this time the daughter has a baby. You're not going, are you, Miko? You can't always be going to christenings. <laughs> that's true, Pekka, that's true, said the fox. That's the moral of the story. But I think I must go this time. The wolf sighed. Hurry back, won't you? This work is too much for me alone. Oh, yes, Pekka, the fox promised. I'll hurry back as quickly as I can. So he trotted off again to the spring and the wolf's butter crock. This time he ate the middle of the wolf's butter and then slowly sauntered back to the clearing. Well, said the wolf, what did they name the baby this time? This one they named Middle. Middle? That's a strange name to give a baby. <laughs> For a few moments, the fox pretended to work hard and then ran off again. When he came back, he said, Pekka, do you know they're having another christening at the farm? And they say, I must come. Another christening? That's too much. How can they be having another one? Well, this time it's the daughter-in-law that's having a baby. Mm. I don't care who it is, the wolf said. You can't go. You have work to do. You have. The fox agreed. You're right, Pekka. You're right. 
I'm too busy to be running off all the time to christenings. I'd say no in a minute. If it wasn't that we are new settlers in this area, they are our nearest neighbors. I'm afraid they think I wasn't very neighborly if I didn't come, but I'll hurry back. I promise. So for the third, conscientious animals, the third time, the fox trotted off to the little spring, and this time he licked the wolf's buttercrock clean to the bottom. And then he went slowly back to the clearing and told the wolf about the christening and the baby. They've named this one Bottom, he said. Bottom? The wolf echoed. What funny names do they give children nowadays? <laughs> the fox pretended to work for a few minutes and then threw himself down exhausted. Hey, ho, he said with a yawn. I'm so tired and hungry. It must be dinner time. The wolf looked at the sun and said, yes, I think we better rest now and eat. So they went to the spring and got their butter crocks. The wolf found that his had already been licked clean. Miko, have you been at my butter? Me? The fox said in a tone of great innocence. How could I have been at your butter when you know perfectly well I have been working right beside you all morning, except when I was taken away to go to those christenings? You must have eaten it up yourself. <laughs> of course I haven't eaten it myself, the wolf declared. I just bet anything that you took it. <laughs> the fox pretended to be much aggrieved. Pekka, I won't have you saying such a thing. We must get to the bottom of this. I tell you what we'll do. We'll both lie down in the sun, and the heat of the sun will melt the butter and make it run. Now then, if the butter runs out of my nose, then I'm the one who has eaten the butter. If it runs out of your nose, then you have eaten it yourself. Do you agree to this test? What a test. What a test. Uh, the wolf said yes. I mean, you know, it, foxes and wolves are coming up with it, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. You're right. The wolf said yes. He agreed, and at once, and they can talk. That's impressive, too. Yeah, there's a lot All of things. Right. Very impressive animals. Uh, the wolf said yes. He agreed, and at once lay down in the sun. He'd been working so hard and was very tired, and in a few moments, he was sound asleep. Thereupon, the fox slipped over and daubed a little lump of butter on the end of his nose. The sun melted it, and then, of course, it looked like it was running out of his nose. Wake up, Pekka, the fox cried. There's butter running out of your nose. The wolf awoke and felt his nose with his tongue. Why, Miko, he said in surprise. So there is. Well, I suppose I must have eaten that butter myself. But I give you my word for it. I don't remember doing it. Well, I, I should have a podcast. Well, said the fox, pretending to still feel hurt. You shouldn't always suspect me. When they went back to the clearing, the wolf began pulling the brush together to burn it, and the fox slipped away to lay down behind some bushes. Miko, aren't you going to help me burn the brush? You set it on fire, the fox called back, and I'll stand here to guard against any flying sparks. We don't want to burn the whole forest down. So the wolf burned up all the brush while the fox took a pleasant nap. And then, when he was ready to plant the seed in the rich wood ashes, the wolf called out again for the fox to help him. Uh, you do the planting, Pekka, the fox called back, and I'll stay here and frighten off the birds. If I don't, they'll come back and pick every seed you plant. So Miko the rascal took another nap while the poor wolf planted the field he had already cleared and burned. Mm, that poor wolf. That poor trusting wolf. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there's one thing that we've ever learned in stories is, you know, just always trust the fox. <laughs> well, we did tell a story not too long ago uh, 
with the wolf as the bad guy. In this one, you actually feel, you feel sorry for the wolf. sympathetic yeah. to the wolf. Makes me rethink some of these other fairy tales where the wolf... Maybe I should have felt bad for the wolf when uh, he ate the grandmother because... Oh, wait, no. Well, this is a Finnish tale. Maybe Finnish wolves, wolves from Finland... Maybe they are the virtuous wolves. It's also a finished tale. Now it's a finished, finish tale. Graham, thank you for bringing a story this week. You're welcome. That was a good one. I like that one. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to introduce this week's guest, Mr. Scott Chandler. Hey guys, before we introduce you to Scott Chandler, we want to remind you, about the Halloween costume contest that is coming up. If you're dressing up for Halloween this year, you'll need a good costume. Graham, do you know what yours is going to be? Um, I mean, at this point... The Finnish, the Finnish fox? Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Just what, a fox what? with like a finish line stripe. And, uh, and like a bunch of butter on its face. It, perfect. Yeah. Done. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, you're going to need a costume this year. And there's a new book coming out that might be able to inspire you. It's a collection of Aesop's fables full of, you know, wise birds, well, sneaky foxes, of course, and maybe some foolish children. And our friends at the Circe Institute are doing a fun costume contest in celebration of this new book, uh, which is, you know, being published by the Circe Press coming up here soon. So if you dress up like a character from Aesop's fables, you can post a picture on Instagram with the tag Circe Press. You could also do this on Facebook, or you can email your uh, your images if you don't want them on social media. Graham, where could they should they email? They could email them to podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. The same email we mention all the time. Uh, so again, just post it on social media with the tag Cersei Press or email to podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. And when you do so, you can enter to win a free copy of Aesop's Fables, which uh, Graham and I will both sign, which works out because I worked on the inside of it, on the layout, and Graham worked on the cover. So we both did have something to do with this book. Um, there won't be only one winner, which is, you know, great. No. Will there be two? No. How many more could there possibly be? There will be three. Whoa! So not only will the Finnish fox and the Finnish wolf have a chance to win, but if they wanted to bring in like a Finnish waxwing, oh. then they also could, the waxwing could win as well. Nice. So you can uh, check out this book if you want, the Cersei store. Graham, what's the Cersei store's uh, uh, They would go to Cersei, C-I-R-C-E institute.org slash books. And that link will also be in the show notes as well. So you can go over there. You can check out this Aesop's Fables book uh, that they have and uh, maybe a little to help solve your Halloween costume needs this year. Be sure to check that out. Be sure to post your images and to, or to send them in if you'd prefer to do it that way. And then Graham and I will be involved in the choosing of the winners. So good luck to one and all as you enter into this contest and, and uh, flex your creative muscles. All right. Speaking of flexing creative muscles, the guest that we have coming up next is Mr. Scott Chandler. We had a great time talking to Scott, uh, not only because he is Canadian and we were both born in Canada, but because he's the creator of the critically acclaimed graphic novels, Squire and Knight, Bix, and Two Generals, which was nominated for two Eisner Awards, selected for Best American Comics 2012, and voted by CBC's Canada Reads as one of the 40 best Canadian nonfiction books of all time. Incredible. 
His other work includes Northwest Passage and the Three Thieves series, which was the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic for Kids and listed by the YALSA as a great graphic novel for teens. In 2015, he served as the cartoonist in residence at the University of Windsor and the first cartoonist to be appointed so by a Canadian university. In other words, kind of a big deal. Uh, he lives and works in Stratford, Ontario, Canada, where he is hard at work on his next project, which you're going to hear about a little bit later on this episode. So without further ado, here is Scott Chandler. All right, we are very excited because we are here with Scott Chandler, and we are excited for a number of reasons. One, because his new graphic novel is wonderful and delightful, and we can't wait to talk about it, but also because it's another Canadian on the show. So Scott, one Canadian-born person, two Canadian-born people to another, welcome to Withy Windle. Thank you so much, Team Canada over here. I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Graham and I were both born in Canada, but don't live here anymore. You still live in Canada, though, right? That's correct. Uh, you stayed true to your roots, I guess. That's true. I, yeah. I, I, I love it here. I live about two hours southwest of Toronto, if people can picture that. It's a nice little old community called Stratford, Ontario, which mm. uh, is a nice little quaint little town and also has like world-class Shakespearean theater. I would hope so, so with the name Stratford. Che- right? Yeah, that checks exactly. out. Exactly. So um, we've got lots of questions from the kids and some from us, as we told you before we were recording, um, about your work and about your new book and all that sort of thing. But first, we have to ask you a question that we ask every guest. It's the most important question on this show. We've asked it since our pilot episode. Okay. Scott Chandler, Cheetos or Doritos? Oh, man. <clears throat> See, told you. I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not a like. It's tough because I'm not like a huge fan of either. Ne- neither would be the thing I'd reach for in wow. that aisle at the grocery store. But between the two, I gotta go with Doritos. Graham, are Canadian Doritos or Cheetos different than American? Is this like a, a Smarties thing where it's a completely okay. different thing? So I'm just gonna go, you know, off the dome here. I'm assuming <laughs> they have. Some sort of like all dressed Dorito, or they they probably have something that we don't have down here. I doubt it's like a oh, ketchup. like a specific flavor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think well, may, like may, like I know that's the case sometimes, but whenever I'm in an American grocery store, I'm always bowled over at the number of cereals and the number of kinds of different flavors of things you guys have. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think we've got all the kind of fairly standard Doritos of <laughs> the Cool Ranch and the burn your face off or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know the flavors. That's how much I'm not a, a, a Dorito or a Cheetos guy. But, okay, that, uh, that's okay. What are you choosing then? Uh, well, you, you mentioned all dressed. All dressed chips are a very uh, Canadian uh, potato chip. They're delicious. Uh, definitely sticking to my uh, national roots there. I like. Can you I describe like what that is for the kids who never had this before? It's kind of... It tastes a little like a barbecue potato chip, but it's okay. got all kinds of like seasoning, like, uh, you know, di- different kind of like vegetables makes it sound gross, but kind of different kind <laughs> of vegetable seasonings. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't even know what the flavor is. It's like all the flavors at once or something. It's, it's just like, a, it's a it's a really tasty potato chip. It's like if the uh, potato chip factory exploded. Um, exactly. This is the this is the chip that would come out. It's like salt okay. and pepper and barbecue and sour cream. It's like it's everything. Yeah, all, all it's, a, it's 
It's so good. And okay. I also enjoy like a Chicago mix popcorn, like okay. a mix of the um, cheesy popcorn and the caramel popcorn yeah. together Two two great tastes. Uh, yeah. In your mouth, having a party at one time. And that, that are, that's for me. Are you snacking on stuff while you draw or illustrate or cartoon or uh, whatever the uh, word was? Not, not, not generally. Uh, I still work on paper, at least for the ink stage mm-hmm. and i'm i'm always afraid i i will drink coffee while i work but i'm always terrified of spilling that coffee on what i'm working on and food, food just no can't do it i i will leave the desk if i'm going to eat anything usually well grant that then I mean, he just he just mentioned he drinks coffee one of the other questions kids have asked is coffee or tea are you a coffee guy or a tea guy oh i like tea but coffee coffee all the way okay Graham, are there any other food questions that we need to ask that you want to bring up here Mm. Um, I, I, I know, I like that. I know a bit more about his, uh, Canadian snack choices, yeah. um, but ask him about I, Canadian candy. We got, cause we've talked about this on the show. That's where I'm going. Is there, okay. is there a Canadian, like a Nestle or a Cadbury infection that, that really hits the spot for you? I, uh, I know that coffee crisp chocolate bars are a thing that when my, American industry friends are here in Canada for conventions and stuff. They're always going home with like a suitcase full of <laughs> coffee crisp bars. Canadian Smarties. <laughs> I don't think I even realized those were a Canadian thing uh, that yeah. weren't available in the U.S. until I started making comics. And, uh, <laughs> and, and like I say, so many uh, cartoonists I know were, were trying to get their hands on them. Um, but I, I enjoy a coffee crisp bar as well. Alongside your Tim Hortons coffee. Exactly. <laughs> Tim I think we got good. Tim Hortons in America now. Yeah. yeah whenever I'm, uh, you know, doing a show in uh, Michigan or even Ohio or so, I'll see some Tim Hortons. Uh, it feels like the further you get from the border, the more you're leaving Tim Hortons coffee behind. But those first few states, That's you right. can... Yeah. You can certainly find a Tim Hortons. Not it has to have a borderline with, with the country. Yeah. 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 And I, uh, I don't here. I don't want to besmirch the uh the fine town of Columbus, Ohio. But if you ever find yourself on the north side and you see a Tim Hortons, not a good one. I'll just oh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm actually gonna be in Columbus in a couple of weeks for uh oh. for CX. Uh, so go, yeah, yeah a- go go do like an in-depth uh, review and report. And, uh, well, yeah, I will do. It'll be, it'll be riveting. The, the t- that tip is very timely. <laughs> <laughs> this might be time for you to introduce to the kids your work a little bit, because some of the kids who are listening definitely will have read your stuff, looked at you, looked at your stuff. Some maybe not. So for the ones who have not, could you just do a quick, I don't know, like elevator pitch of your work and in particular your newest book? And it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be too in depth. You don't have to give us your whole history, but just a little sure. bit about you know what you do. All right. Kids who have not read my work before, hey, let's get on it. How dare you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? And uh, and B, uh, yeah, my newest book is called Squire and Knight. Awesome. It's a graphic novel about a squire, you know, who is the kind of smart guy who reads books and, you know, does all the actual thinking and solves all the mysteries and uh, all that stuff. And uh, in the night, Sir Kelton is just this kind of overblown, uh, kind of blowhard who, you know, takes all the credit for everything. 
And uh, yeah, it's a fun adventure that's kind of about brains over brawn and, uh, and uh, you know, the re- rewarding people for being smart. And uh, so that's, that's the new book. Uh, but um, I've, been, I've been making uh, graphic novels and comics in general for a little over 20 years. Squire Knight's actually my 14th book. I mm-hmm. bounce back and forth a lot between sort of kids' fantasy stuff like Squire and Knight. And, um, you know, some more kind of adult historical biographical stuff. The book I'm best known for here in Canada is a book about my grandfather's experiences in World War II. And it's called Two Generals. And it's taught in uh, high schools and universities and stuff all over the country. So um, I kind of have those two sides to my career. I, I like to bounce back and forth a little bit. Mm. Uh, you know, a couple, couple of books for the kids, a couple of books for the parents. And uh, I actually feel like my work casts kind of a wide net uh, and uh, is at least tries to be, you know, appealing across the ages, each of the books. So, uh, well, now the parents who are listening have something to go check out, too. Yes, exactly. Go go check out uh, Two Generals and Bix are the two books I've done that kind of skew a little older. Nice, nice. Graham, you're a big uh, fan of art. You got any questions about art? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like art just art history yeah. art art and nature I don't know. you take it take it wherever you want to go in general no <laughs> the kids kid, kids got a question about art all right so scott um you are a self-identified cartoonist so i'm curious if there's a reason or, or what that label means to you and if there's a difference between a cartoonist and an illustrator yes a big difference to me and this is not to besmirch illustrators. I, I did uh, commercial illustration for, for many, many years before I broke into comics. It's not exactly what I do when I'm making comics. Illustration is uh, sort of a supplement to something that would exist without it. So, you know, somebody writes a book and then somebody does some illustrations and a cover mm-hmm. and whether it was that person doing the illustrations or someone else doing the illustrations, or even if you took the illustrations away entirely, the book the writer wrote would still stand on its own. With comics, that's obviously not the case. If you took the pictures away, you've basically taken away the entire book. Mm. So, you know, with graphic novels, with comics, um, the art is doing so much of the storytelling. So much of the story is in the pictures. Hmm. So, uh, you know, some people use the term graphic novelist, which I, hmm. I find a little highfalutin. And also <laughs> every, every, everything I do isn't a novel. Some of the books I've done are, are nonfiction. Like I said, like l- novel literally means fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm working on a short story. Like, I, you know, I've, I've done stories that were just five or six or eight pages. And, hmm. um, you know, obviously that's not a novel either. So. Cartoonist, I find, is a nice general term for somebody who both writes and draws uh, interchangeably, who tells story with pictures. It implies authorship. It implies Mm. ownership. It uh, it works for me. I'm not quite a writer. I'm not quite an illustrator. (laughs) I'm some kind of weird thing in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that makes sense. And as how long how long have you known that this is kind of what you wanted to do? Oh, I've always known. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah my, my mom when she was alive would tell me that when um when i was like a, a, a baby even 
you know, she would be able to go do whatever housework she needed to do for hours just by giving me some blank paper and some crayons in my high chair. And I would be good for the day, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this, cool. uh, yeah, drawing is just what I've always done. And then I think, you know, when you're a little older, you start developing the storytelling skills because, you know, let's say you like to draw giant robots. So if you make up a story about giant robots, then you'll get to draw a bunch of them. And I think this is kind of how cart- I think this is how kind of cartoonists are made uh, is with that kind of thinking. So, yeah, like I've, I've this is all I've ever wanted to do for as long as I can remember. Mm. It took a little while to kind of put it together as a career. But, uh, yeah, I never really, I never really thought about anything else. So there's a question here from a listener named Jenica. And yeah, and this person is wondering, could you talk about how you make your art? So like the details on the process. So when you're working on Squire and Knight, for example, what's the process look like to get that from in your head to a book in your hand and you don't have to talk about like the printing and all that but how do you actually get make the illustrations the cartoons sorry sure i will work the story out first on uh like in a script uh not unlike a tv or movie script where it's a little bit of a description of the action and then dialogue you know this character is going to say this and then this character is going to say that and so on And my scripts aren't really detailed because I know I'm the one who's going to be drawing it, but it's at least enough for me to get the story straight. Yeah. Yeah. And then I will start really loosely starting to lay the pages out. Just, just trying to turn that script into pictures. Right. And then I will send all that off to my editor at the publishing company that I work for. And they will look it all over and tell me whether I'm crazy or not. Right whether the story makes sense and all that stuff or whether I'm crazy enough, maybe. Yeah. Crazy in a good way. Yeah, exactly. And then, so once they've kind of signed off on the very rough version of the book, then it's just a process that sometimes can take, you know, a year and a half or two years of just refining, uh, you know, you, you start, you know, you take those original pencil roughs and you start doing tighter pencil drawings and then, you know, you ink those pencil lines uh, in with, uh, with some ink so that they'll be nice and clear and bold and have, you know, big black shapes and stuff where you need them. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then if it's, a, if it's a color book, which Squire Knight is, uh, you know, you go in and, and you do all the coloring and stuff on that. So there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of stages. Uh, it takes a long time. <laughs> it takes a long time to make this kind of book. But I like I like all the steps and stages. I mm. all, all these different iterations are an opportunity to rethink the story and to clarify and refine it and really make sure all those hours and hours that you spend with every page, you can really put to use making sure every page says exactly what you want it to say and, and that the readers are really gonna gonna get it and go along with you. Mm. So mm. yeah. I mean that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. So speaking of um, one of the steps that you listed, um, Charles is wondering, how do you decide or how did you decide on the color palette for Squire and Knight? And did you experiment with other colors? I decided on a color palette because it's a very limited, it's very limited, but like people who have seen the book 
we're doing video, right? People can see this if I hold something up. No, no this, is, this, this is just audio. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, uh, you can hold it up. We'll take a screenshot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the colors in the book are basically like a couple of shades of orange and a couple of shades of gray. Yeah. Got and, it. I got a screenshot. I'll post it with yeah, you. Good. I did that because I really don't. Well, it's not that I don't like full color. I like when other people do it and do it well, but color is not my favorite part of the process or one that I'm particularly confident in books that I've done in full color. When I was coloring them myself, I've never been happy with the results. And I swore I was never going to do another book in color. Um, but you know, this being for kids kind of wanted it to be a little bit colorful. Mm -hmm. So I chose a color palette that only really had two colors in it. <laughs> like I say, orange and gray, a couple of different shades of each, but, um, you know, that helped make it easy because I can, I can tone my work in very simple ways. Mm. And, you know, uh, I, I find less color works well on my work anyway. My work is pretty simple, has a kind of a bit of a retro vibe to it. So I find the less number of colors and the less fancy rendering, the better. Mm. Would, you, would you say uh, it was pretty easy or you saw it in your head as like, oh, this 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 is going to be shades of orange. It's going to look great. Or, or did you play with like, let's do it all in blue or greens? I never thought of anything other than orange because mm. I knew the story was going to be set in the fall. And mm. I kept I kept picturing that black dragon who is in the book kind of against these orange autumn skies where mm. it would just look like he was a hole in the sky. <laughs> yeah. And I just, yeah, I never, I don't think it was ever anything other than orange. And like I say, it kept it kind of fast and easy for me to do. And I think it looks great. Frankly, it does look great. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. Thank you. Thanks. So, okay. We have two questions here related to how you came up with the story. And one of them is from Rowan. And there's one from Jack. Rowan's question is how did you come up with the story? So that's, <laughs> There's that question. But then related to that is this from Jack. Um, is Sir Kelton based on any knight from the past? And are any of the characters based on people you know in real life? So I guess the question <laughs> is, is there any real element to how you came up with the story, which was Rowan's original question? So those are Rowan and Jack's collective questions that I'm bundling for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, those are, those are all good questions. The story, I've, I've had a rough version of the characters kicking around in my head for quite some time. Um, there's a movie from the 80s, a British comedy called Without a Clue, and it's about Sherlock Holmes and Watson. And the, the kind of comedic take on it is that, far from being a genius, that uh, Sherlock Holmes is just a goof. <laughs> and that it's Watson who solves the crimes. And, uh, and, and the, you know, Sherlock Holmes is just there to kind of take the credit to sort of protect Watson's reputation as a doctor. And the, like, I don't think I've ever even actually seen that movie, but I remember seeing the trailers when I was a kid and just thinking what a great idea it was. And um, I don't, I don't know how I ended up applying that to like a knight and squire, but I thought <laughs> that would be, that would be a good role reversal in a similar way. Uh, so the, the, the characters themselves Really, I've you know, I've just kind of kept in the files in the back of my brain for a long, long time. Uh, just waiting for them to, to to make an appearance somewhere. 
And uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, with my own kids who are now uh, closer to adult age, one of them is an adult. My oldest son is just turned 20. Um, mm. I just, uh, yeah, I, I've always kind of disliked anti-intellectualism, you know, like people who say that reading's not cool and, that, you know, being smart isn't cool. And I just, I, I, I I've never liked that. I, I've always thought being smart is cool. <laughs> you know, I, I like people who read. I like people who, uh, you know, have ideas to talk about when you talk about them. And, uh, and yeah. I think encouraging, I think encouraging that in young people is a good idea. And I tried to do it with my own kids and, uh, and uh, so, yeah, I thought, you know, doing a story and putting a book out into the world with that message was was not such a bad idea. Plus dragons. Plus dragons. So why can't you have ideas and dragons together? Like that's... Once, you have a, once you have a squire and a knight, you're in a sort of a fantasy landscape where all kinds of other things can happen. Of course, you're going to have dragons <laughs> and goblins and all the other things. And a, a frog guy in some of the book who people seem to like. Graham, um, I, I feel like he has a lot of inspirations. Maybe we should uh, ask him about. Uh, yeah, tell us, did tell I us. answer that question? There was a lot of parts to that question. Did I hit them all? Well, I guess was there anybody based on people you know in real life? That oh, was the right. other one. Yeah, that was the part. Uh, like a lot of writers, like a lot of the characters are just different parts of me. Like mm. the squire, the squire is me. The the squire is the part of me that does read and is some kind of frustrated with people who you know, don't engage with ideas, but Sir Kelton also very much me. The part of you that jousts. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, he is the, he is the kind of more confident, loud part of me. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, often, you know, you're writing and stuff and people might, uh, you know, come in and out, you, know, you might recognize things, you know, uh, about people, you know, in your characters, but often it just ends up being a lot of different versions of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, that's definitely the case with both of the main characters here. All right. So, uh, Scott, tell us about some of your favorite um, comics when you were a kid. Oh, man, I'm going to date myself here. But um, well, you did say you have a 20 year old son. So I do yeah, have a 20 year old son. So I guess I guess I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up. Like I was a little kid in the 1970s and a lot of things on TV in the 70s were reruns from the 60s. And so the old Batman TV show with Adam West was on TV every afternoon. And so I would watch that probably every day. And of course, once I found out there were Batman comics you could get, <laughs> uh, it was it, it was all over. <laughs> so when I was really little, it was everything Batman and, you know, a lot of the other classic superheroes, too. You know, your Superman and all that stuff. By the time I was a teenager, it was the 80s, and I was starting to get into, you know, the X-Men. And, uh, you know, Batman made a big comeback in the 80s in a kind of a darker, brooding way. And, you know, I was really into that as an angsty teenager. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, yeah. like... If you look at just like the books that you read as well when you were a kid, what what were the ones that like inspired your love? You said you you don't like when people talk about how reading's not cool. So what were some of the ones that like really inspired your love of reading itself? I grew up in a house where there weren't a lot of books, and maybe mm -hmm. this is one of the reasons why I kind of like them so much. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of starved, other than comics. 
which I managed to get my hands on here and there. There weren't a lot of books uh, growing up, but uh, probably when I was about 11 or so, my school librarian, uh, Mr. Jacobs, who's actually uh, dedicated, Squire and Knight is dedicated to him because oh, cool. he, was, he was the school librarian who really got me reading. Mm. He put a copy of The Elfstones of Shannara by Terry Brooks into my hands. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone was taking it out. And he thought, Scott Chandler might like this. And he was right. Uh, like like <laughs> I said, fantasy, yeah, fantasy was really big in the late 70s and early 80s because of things like Star Wars and stuff like that, which is set in space, but is very much a fantasy movie. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I really went all in on fantasy novels at that age as well. And, mm. uh, and, and it was a good time to be doing so. There was lots of stuff coming out. And then as I moved further into my teens, I got into Stephen King and, and stuff like that that you get into when you're in your teens. Yeah. And, and yeah, so there, there was a lot of reading going on with, with and without pictures. So we have a question from Audrey that we, that we like to ask every author. Um, okay. And she says, if you could book wander into any classic book, say like Tom Sawyer or The Secret Garden or The Lord of the Rings or whatever, which classic would you choose and why? So I think she's looking for like, is there like a classic that most people read that, most, that you would most want to like slip into, like go through a wardrobe into that book world? Boy, that's a good one. That's a good question. Honestly, the first thing that popped into my head was uh it's actually another big influence on squire and knight is the sword and the stone by th white oh yeah yeah uh, yeah it's just a, a, a you know it's it's sort of the intro into the king arthur story when king arthur is still a boy if kids are listening to this and haven't read it they should read it it's, you know it, it like squire and knight it's very much about education and learning and you know kind is of value one of the once in future that, king that is book one of the ones in okay. Future King. It's, it's kind of the one everyone has read and knows. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Was, was turned into a Disney movie and and all that stuff. And um, yeah, it's, it's one of my very favorite books, and it's just so magical. I mean, you know, all fantasy is magical, but it's it's <laughs> kind of ma- it's, it's magical in the way that you know Merlin is turning him into animals, and he's learning a little lesson from each of the animals that you know that he'll <laughs> eventually grow up and apply as king and yeah yeah and then the moment the moment at the end when he pulls the sword out of the stone is is, is worth every word of getting there it's just it's spoiler it's, alert yeah it is exactly <laughs> it's, it's, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it and um so okay you yeah, book wander into that what do you want to be like what's your role in the book wander like are you gonna I think, be the, I think, I think the stone I, just, I, I think i want to be turned into animals uh okay like, i got it okay uh, i got it like, you want merlin like, to turn you into a newt yeah, exactly. I want uh, I want to learn all the stuff and talk to all the animals. And uh, no, all, we all, all know that. the first thing you're doing once you get into that portal into that world is going for the sword to see if you <laughs> virtue. See, if see if I'm already worthy of it. Yeah, yes, forget exactly. All, forget all the learning. See, that would I'm, be the sort of Elton part of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Graham. It is time. It's time for the the quiz. It's time for that that part of the show where we make the author sweat a little bit, a little bit more than they already have. Okay. And um, Scott, are you quaking in your boots? Because if you're not, then we're, we cramps. Oh, oh man, I'm so nervous. I've never been so nervous. I'm sweating yeah. over here. Well, those are nice to... boots that you're quaking in, but 
That's right. Thanks. We like to see it. All right. So, Scott, uh, this is a quiz. Um, When David and I come up with quizzes for authors, we usually build them around a theme and we do not tell each other what we are doing. Correct. I do not know the answers. David doesn't, you can't, there's no help for you in this uh, portal. There's no, there's no phone a friend. All right. (laughs) All right. So, Scott, um, I've dubbed this quiz the Squire and Knight quiz. That makes sense. It It is. (laughs) <laughs> However, it is not questions about your own book. So you're thinking, oh, I guess it's just questions about squires and knights. Uh, kind of. Okay. Not really. All right. It is questions. Um, so far, this description is not helping me or anyone else. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> you may think the quiz is this, but it isn't. <laughs> let's, just, uh, let's just jump in. Okay, great. Okay. Question number one. <laughs> Enough with the useless preamble. Right. (laughs) All right. Question number one. The Virginia Squires, a professional basketball team that played in the ABA, the American Basketball League, in the 60s and 70s, has been essentially forgotten to time. Despite having players like Dr. J and Rick Barry play for the team and having a logo worthy of the awful sports logo Hall of Fame. So you'll have to look that up later. Don't look it up I'm now. Though. All right. Uh, the Squires are also notable for being the first professional sports team to have a corporate sponsor on their uniform. Huh. Okay. okay this, before English soccer. Before, yeah. Before English soccer. Uh, huh. This uh, logo was a stylized S on the shorts. Okay. So what business was the Squires <laughs> repping in 1976. Okay, now, this is multiple wow. choice. This is multiple choice. Okay, good. Choice. I was going to say, you got to give me some options here. Tim Hortons. <laughs> Tim Hortons, yeah. All right, option A. Okay. The Stanley Stilts Company. Okay. Option B, Stewart Sandwich Services. Option C, Seth's Swinging Sousaphones. Or option D, Sally's Soup Saloon. Oh, boy. Um, You're going to have to repeat those. There's so much alliteration. Is it the Stilts Company, the Sandwich Services, the Swinging Sousaphones, or the Soup Saloon? As much as I love a sousaphone, uh, I don't think (laughs) they'd be advertising, uh, particularly with the basketball team. Uh, Let's take that one out. Uh, did it with the first one. Well, a stilt company, though, a basketball team would be kind of weirdly appropriate. <laughs> I'm really going to think this through. Like, I hope you guys have got some time. We got it. We're good. Because <laughs> basketball players are usually tall, right? Stilt company seems kind of, I was going to cross that one off, but now I'm rethinking it. <laughs> Stand on a stilt, you can be as tall as Dr. J. Exactly. Hard to jump, though. And the other ones were a soup company and what was it? A sandwich shop? Sandwiches. Yeah. Sandwich services, sir. Those both seem a little more kind of down to earth. So it's probably one of down to earth. See, yeah. off of the stilts. There, yep. Yeah, we are. Yep. Now we're yep. good. <laughs> um, let's go with the sandwich service. Stuart Sandwich Services is the correct answer. That was the first corporate oh, that. logo ever to be on professional sports. And it was on the Virginia Squires shorts. Good work. See, uh, it pays to think things through, kids. That's right. Yeah, right. It, it's it's all on theme for my book. 
Okay, so we've done a squire question. Let's move to a knight. All right, so believe it or not, the Edinburgh Zoo in Scotland is home to a knighted animal. Okay. Major General Sir Niles Olav III has been fully knighted into the Norwegian King's Guard after Major Niles Egelin fell in love with him uh, on some on a trip to Scotland. Uh, and he liked the way he and his friends marched. So, okay, point. hold on. Pause for a second. There is a Norwegian baron or something, <laughs> a lord in the Norwegian world, who went to Scotland, went to the zoo, was into this animal, so he knighted it and basically gave it his own name. Y- that is correct. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a baron. It was a major general. Yeah, you know. Little of this, yeah, little of that. Cl- this enough. sounds like something I would make up. This is true, though. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So this wh- is a great story. What type of animal is Sir Niles? Is he A, a flamingo, okay. B, a lemur, C, a penguin, or D, a mosquito? <laughs> well, towards the end there, you said he liked the way the animal marches with his friends. So it's got to be a penguin which I think is the only one of those animals who march in any way, unless I have not learned enough Scott, about flamingos. Y- you need to come to the South where our mosquitoes march together. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are a well-regulated militia, those ones. So, yeah. um, all right, so Major General Sir Niles Olaf III is a penguin. <laughs> yes, you I got it. it. Guys, that was my I gut. There is great photos of him online with badges adorning his chest. Uh, And he is the third because actually his great-great-grandfather was the first one, but it's hereditary now. So It's a a hereditary title. Knighthood gets passed on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's dope. It's good good to know. Yeah. All right, let's go back to... um, um, Did you realize that both of them, Scott, have been the, the third option? I think, is that right, Graham? No. Were they both the third option? Was the sandwich is not the third? No, it was the second. Oh, never mind. Never be. Yeah, you're trying to find the pattern? Huh. Yeah. So <laughs> now we get the second and the third. <laughs> Squire question for you. Robert Louis Stevenson's classic novel, Treasure Island, has many oh. memorable characters. Uh, Jim Hawkins, Long John Silver, Billy Bones, and of course, Squire Trelawney. Right. The bombastic and excitable landowner who helps finance the trip to the island. Uh, There have, of course, been many movie adaptations of the book over the years, but none have done it better than Muppet Treasure Island, uh, (laughs) which includes a perfect performance of Squire Trelawney by Fozzie the Bear. All right. And I'll wait to know what the question actually is. In this, It's always interesting to see where it's going to land. In this adaptation, Fozzie Trelawney has an imaginary friend named Mr. Bimbo, who offers him advice and guidance. So, and Mr. Bimbo lives in what part of Fozzie's body? Is it his A, toe, <laughs> B, ear, C, finger, or D, eye? <laughs> I have read Treasure Island many years ago. I have not seen Muppet Treasure Island, although uh-huh. I love the Muppets. Uh, so this is going to be tough. I'm trying to remember if I can make a connection to the character from the book. Could you just think out loud? (laughs) That may or may not 
be <laughs> helpful to me. A, a, a creature who lives in his toe, his eye. What, what were the choices? Uh, toe, ear, eye, ear. and finger. Toe, ear, eye, and finger. He talks to it in the movie. Yep. It's like, I mean, the, the ear is the only thing that a thing could be in of those body parts. So let's go with the ear. How, how, do you be, how do you be in a finger? How do you be in a toe? You know what I mean? I do not know how to answer your question, but it is in fact, <laughs> um, inside of his finger is where really mr bimbo lives don't don't yeah don't try to figure it out now i now i have to go watch the movie just to see how that works yeah what are the mechanics yeah all right i've ruined i've ruined my score here now i'm only two for three well let's let's get you redeemed with a historically that's pretty good Uh, yeah (laughs) i'm gonna pull it back out all right we got a night question this is the final question all right the 1980s action crime tv show night rider uh, oh yeah! Now, now you're in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered. Uh, gave us a glimpse into some future tech in the form of the enduring character of Kit, uh, the artificially intelligent, self-aware, nearly indestructible car. A Pontiac Trans Am, in fact. So Kit right uh, is not only a super brain, uh, but he seemingly has feelings and a personality. Uh, being described as both witty and sensitive. Okay, so here's your question. Let's say uh, you, Scott, could have one vehicle with one specific emotion attached to this vehicle. Uh, Which one of these would you choose? And you have to defend your answer. Uh, Okay. Uh, (laughs) A A is um, a sardonic submarine. Oh, that's Uh, good. That's going to be hard to beat. B is a hilarious helicopter. Sounds dangerous. Uh, C, a jealous jetpack. Or D, a trusting tricycle. Go. So is the, the tricycle is trusting or trustworthy? It's trusting. So it trusts you when you're riding. Yeah. I just, I'm going to eliminate the tricycle because, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm not going to fit on there. And you can only go so fast. I mean, I don't even care what the tricycle's yeah. personality is. Let's let's toss that one aside. And honestly, if you if you sit on a tricycle and it's trusting and it trusts you and you're too big, like that's not really fair to the tricycle. So it's, it's true. Yeah. Um, the the helicopter is appealing. I mean, who wouldn't want to fly, really? But it's the hilarious. Like, is it like is the helicopter genuinely hilarious, or is it just like trying to be funny? Because yeah. I like. Those, like, <laughs> like think it should be doing stand up while flying, yeah. or is it actually good at stand up while flying? Yeah, like people who are actually funny, great. But people who are trying to be like that class clown guy who was like, ah, you know, trying to get in there, like I couldn't put up with that in that's, a helicopter. That's a good so, point. A long, like, like multiple hour journey of a, a helicopter yeah. thinks he's hilarious, or maybe the helicopter's idea of a joke is pretending to crash. Uh, or be <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, the helicopter option, while appealing, is a bit... Like, I would need more information about the helicopter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would limited, need to, yeah. I would need to spend some time with it and see if that relationship was going to was gonna mesh. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I think, I think that's fair. I think that's, I think that's wise, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take it out a few times. Um, 
Well, the, the, the sardonic submarine, I kind of like, because that implies a certain kind of, you know, under the radar kind of biting oh, sense of humor. Under the radar. Under the wow. radar. Oh, See wow. What I did? See what I did? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and plus you can explore the uh, ocean and stuff. And uh, deep blue. That's that's practically like going to outer space. There's all kinds of stuff down there. Um, hey, how would you feel about um, the thing we didn't tell you is that whatever you choose, you have to write a comic about. <laughs> so you have to write a comic about a sardonic submarine under the ocean. I don't even remember what the fourth choice was. What was the fourth choice? Uh, it was a jealous jetpack. <laughs> uh, see, jetpack sounds awesome, but the jealous part. Eh. Yeah. That's that's a, that, that, that is, is it jealous really of you or is it like if you're talking to someone, is it going to be jealous of your time spent with that person? The next thing you know, you're zooming up into the air. Either or, it sounds like a terrible thing to be having a conversation with, even if you're zipping around on it. So, yeah, yeah let's take that one. I got to go with Sardonic Submarine, guys. That's just, Especially if things don't right. work out with the helicopter. David, yeah, yeah. there was a one clear-cut best answer to this question. Do you think he hit it? Uh, I think it is the Sardonic Submarine. Yeah, me. It is. It is. You want, you want your vehicle to be a little bit pessimistic, especially if you're in a dangerous situation or like realistic and uh, kind of down. Yeah. And, and you don't want like it be too chipper down there. The contrast would just be it. Yeah, you got it. But, all right. So Scott landed three out of four. That is a passing grade. Um, Pretty good. But oh, we, need yeah. to, we need to send it into our uh, assessment uh, overlords who will... It takes, the multiple, it takes multiple yeah. weeks to give you your official like sure. certificate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Results yeah. got a team of experts working around the clock on it. Good. Unfortunately, work. they're pretty sardonic too. So you right. never know. What right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna but knock. I, they're gonna knock some points off. Uh, I'm really into the idea <laughs> yeah. of this submarine like flo- floating around under the ocean, like sort of like grimly making like mocking jokes about like yeah, just, like, just, just, look at just that octopus. throwing out zingers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It That's, sounds good. It, now, Will it could be a, thinks it's fast. The, the, it be I, I feel like the worst one would have been the jealous jetpack. It's like, you don't want to be trusting your life to something that's going to be like, hey. That one, combines, that one combined the most appealing vehicle yeah. to me with the most unappealing personality trait. And it really made you think whether the trade-off was worth it. Makes me I, rethink I, Boba Fett, though, if I'm being honest. Right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, Graham. So overall, we feel like he uh, passed the quiz. You you feel good about that? As far uh, I mean, I know it's preliminary, but I am impressed. I am impressed. Uh, a lot of times, I have more nonsense questions, and this one had more real questions. So I'm doubly impressed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well done, Scott. Well done. Okay, we got uh, one one parting question for you. I guess it's a two part question before we let you go. Do you have any advice for the kids who are listening who want to be writers or illustrators or cartoonists? Um, what advice would you have for them? And is there anything you could let people know that you are working on next? Yes, to both of those things. I think, uh, especially uh, for young people who want to, I mean, not just write or draw, but do anything, whether it's playing basketball or the piano or anything like that is that this is the kids are going to hate this answer. They always do. Uh, it's, it's the, it's the dad answer. It's the parent answer, but you gotta practice. You gotta just start doing it. Don't wait for permission. Don't wait until you're older, all that stuff. If you want to draw, start drawing, start today, start right now. If you want to write, start making up stories, start writing them down, type them up, 
start right now. Get the clay on the table and start messing around with it and see what you can make. And you're probably not going to be very good at first. It takes years to get good at anything, <laughs> but at least you started early. Um, and, you know, you, you've got later when you're a grown up to figure out how to make a career out of it. For now, just learn the skills and you learn the skills by using the skills. You know, I was I really hoping you'd say that you found a um, a cave where that you could take. There was like a special mushroom that you could eat, and it made you a great storyteller. That was part B. Uh, oh, like okay. if you can, if you don't want to practice, go find the magic mushroom cave. God, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. You, you, that's, been, that's been my whole like purpose. Right, exactly. And what was the other question? Was what um, are you working on next? What am I working on next? I just finished a sequel to Squire and Knight. Oh, sweet. Wow. Yeah. So if you are listening to this and you liked Squire and Knight, there is a second adventure uh, with those characters on its way to you shortly. How shortly? Uh, I think we're slated for late next year, which in book in book publishing in book, terms yeah, is, that's is shortly. Yeah. 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 Well, we're big fans, so that's very exciting. Thank you very much. Can you reveal to us, like, does it have a subtitle or a new title, or is that still all getting hammered out? It does have a subtitle. Squire and Knight in the Mushroom Castle. We only just settled on this subtitle, so this this may be the official announcement. You you guys might be hearing this first. Breaking news. Uh, the name of the book is, is Squire and Knight Wayward Travelers. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. This one's all blue. Yeah. That's right. No orange. It's actually green. It's actually green. The the idea was I would ah. do a different kind of main color each book. That's uh, fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. It, it's it's not a big spoiler to say that the book is set almost entirely in a forest, and so uh, I wanted green foresty colors. That's really cool. Just in the same way that I wanted autumn colors for book one and foresty colors for book two. Hmm. Scott, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I hope I hope so. I hope people are going to like it. It's got a bit of a different vibe from the first book, but I also like sequels that don't just repeat. Yeah, what the first story did. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's. I think like a good sequel, it builds on the first story without just repeating it, mm. which hopefully other people will feel the same way. <laughs> well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for answering our questions, answering the kids' questions, and uh, bearing the slings and arrows of Graham's outrageous quiz. <laughs> You're very welcome, guys. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, make sure you go get Squire tonight for the new one and uh, tell all your friends, leave reviews if you're allowed to do that, and uh, support Scott. Thanks, guys. Well, that was Scott Chandler. Thanks so much to him for coming on the podcast and chatting with us. Please check out his work. We are big fans of Squire and Knight and think you will be too if you check it out. So go grab that wherever you get books. It is a beautiful book. Yeah, we were big fans. Graham, that brings us to the final segment of this episode in which you drink more peanut butter. Nope, that is it's not, not. That is oh, not it. You want more candy? That would be a riddle in itself. Oh, yeah, right. Riddle time. Could, That's right. If I was able to do that <laughs> after all of this other stuff. Um, this is riddle time. Riddle time. All right. Last riddle week, time. Uh, we presented. I presented you with a riddle where uh, there were some brothers. Brothers hanging out in the house. Yep. Uh, yep. Steve... No, that's not correct. Adam. <laughs> Adam, Brian, Carl, 
and David and Elliot are the mm-hmm. brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam is in the house studying. Brian is playing chess. Carl is reading and David is writing. And the question is, what is Elliot doing? This is a tricky riddle. Did kids get it right though? Yeah, of course. Well, we they, have smart listeners. They, they have very, we have very smart listeners. The correct answer. Well, somebody wrote in that Elliot is breathing. Uh, so that's technically true. We're going to count that. <laughs> technically if you true. come up with really clever answers um, that aren't the answer we're looking for, we're going to count them. Uh, we're going to put them in that contest to yeah. win a book bundle at the end of the year. Because they're right. He See. is breathing. Uh, but the answer of what Elliot is doing is he is playing chess with Brian. Okay. Explain. Well, Brian, it's, we, to- we said that Brian is playing chess. Right. So, Elliot is also in the room. We didn't list what he is doing. Mm. Chess is a um, two-person sport <laughs> or activity. So Competition. Uh, so, Brian is there. Mm. Uh, I mean, Elliot is there playing chess with Brian. I like this one coming after the previous one because in the previous one, you kind of tried to get tricky with like connections between things and, and all that. And so it seemed like on the surface, maybe it had to do with like the letters of the alphabet or something like that. But no, it was better than that. Well, you're going to really like this week's <laughs> riddle. <laughs> Again, this week. Figure out how to get Graham's more peanut butter in his belly. This week, we again have a grouping of people. Okay. All right. All right, so... This is where Steve shows up. <laughs> it is where Steve shows up. We have a group of people uh, in a house. Okay. Um, they are, uh, again, they're, they're not related, but they're friends. Okay. This is a post-work group meetup, let's okay. say. They're okay. done with work. Yeah. Um, they're all getting together to hang out and, and chat. Okay. Okay, so Steve and Elizabeth and George are there, and Paul and Lewis and Melissa are there. Okay. Steve, Elizabeth, George, Paul, who and... Lewis. Lewis and, and Melissa. Melissa. Okay, I was close. All right. So they're, they're all sitting around, um, and uh, they brought some beverages with them. Okay. okay. So... Hot, s- melted peanut butter. Steve... No. Steve, Elizabeth, and George. Okay. They are drinking coffee. Okay. Having some delicious post-work five o'clock coffee. It could, could be um, decaf or maybe they're, you know, they're up for, they got to drive overnight somewhere. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're night owls. Right, okay. Well, they are now. Um, Paul, Lewis, and Melissa okay. are at a different table. Okay. They are drinking tea. Okay. But there's a friend, you know, she had to work late. She got some TPS reports that she had to finish up. <laughs> and, and and so she's running 15 minutes late. Okay. So then yeah. she shows up. Wait, who is this? Uh, this is uh, Helen. Helen, okay. Helen. Okay. Helen comes in. Does she sit with Steve, Elizabeth, and George to drink the coffee? Or is she sitting with Paul, Lewis, and Melissa to drink tea? The question is, what beverage is Helen going to choose? Wow, okay. And there's enough information here. I will give you a hint. Okay. Uh, should I give a hint? Let, say it one more time. This Just is a hard Do a quick one. summary. That's enough of a hint. The kids are smart enough. Steve, Elizabeth, and George They're drinking coffee. coffee. Paul, Lewis, Melissa are drinking tea. Okay. Helen comes in. What is she going to drink? Okay. All right. There, this is another one. 
You might want to write some things down. Okay. That's enough. Don't say anything more. Done. Don't say anything more. All right. I think we got, I think we've got smart listeners. Some of them are going to get this right. They're going to figure it out. I'm, I'm counting on you, everybody, because I don't know what it is. I need you to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And by next week, I'll have lost the answer. We yeah, need right. you to figure this out. <laughs> we need you to know the will, answer. We will not remember. <laughs> uh, Graham. Yes. This has been another wonderful, well, I thought I had a good time, uh, episode of Withy Wendell. Would you, would you call it a wet and wild ride? I don't know. I, I don't know that I would call it a wet and wild ride. Could you give me some more examples of things that I might want to call it? Would you say that it had thrills, spills, and splashes? It's closer. Okay. Would you say it contained a a whole kaleidoscope of sogginess? Yeah, that definitely. There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of Withy Wendell. Thank you for listening you know, to a whole kaleidoscope of sogginess. And if somebody <laughs> leaves that as a review on Apple Podcasts, a whole kaleidoscope of sogginess, I will laugh for a very long time. <laughs> but you have... See, okay, you can do that. You can take David's advice, but accompany it with five stars, please. please yeah. Or you're going to confuse people. Right. Five stars of Goliath. <laughs> oh, man. And then what we can do is we can get on there, we can shake our fingers and be like, you young whippersnapper, stop whiffling about. All right, well, Graham, this has been a kaleidoscope of nonsense. <laughs> so for, for Grant Pittman, I'm David Kern. Until next time, happy reading. Goodbye. Goodbye.